0: Cosequin ASU pellets, the joint health supplement that vets and champions choose when performance matters, comes in a tasty pellet preferred by horses and horse owners. The ingredients have been shown in cell culture studies to be more effective in reducing the breakdown of cartilage than glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate alone. Learn more at cosequinequine.com.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Ride. This is Nicole, and I am here with my co-host, Jillian Sinclair. And today we have a wonderful guest on that has been part of the Horse and Rider brand, contributor for years upon years now, I think. Julie Goodnight, also a world-renowned horsewoman, clinician, all the things. Thank you, Julie, for coming on and talking with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for asking me. I feel like we've worked with you for so long, and I don't know why it's taken us so long to get you on this podcast. Well, you know,
2: podcasts are kind of that way. It's sort of traditionally been the last thing people think of, but now they've gotten so popular, and people have figured out the value of listening, and we love to listen about things we love, like horses, so so yeah, so congratulations on your success with your podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I I feel like probably most of our our listeners and our readers are very familiar with who you are. But for for people who might just be joining our brand, our magazine, our our podcast, can you kind of tell people a little bit about your, your horse life growing up and how you... Found your way into a career with horses? well, it's it's a long
2: story, and i'll I'll give you the punchline right away. I never intended to have a career with horses. I never imagined it. I never thought for a second that it was a possibility, even though I grew up with horses, it just wasn't really ever on my radar screen as a career choice. And I I grew up in Central Florida, in a, a right outside of Orlando, Florida. When it back when it was just a small little cow town, long before Disney World. And my father was passionate about horses. He was just a backyard horseman, and he loved all animals. Really, we had eventually we had a small farm. He, we always had horses, and we used to have a old place out in the country called the old farm where we kept our horses and they just were out at pasture and every weekend we would pack up and go to the old farm, old farm, and we would play with the horses. And then eventually when I was, Oh, maybe about five or six, we actually bought a small farm where we lived and had the horses at home. And from then on, I, I lived with horses. So I had that, great upbringing the opportunity to grow up with horses in my backyard my father wreck i was one of four siblings by the way and all of us grew up in the same place but i was the only one that was really that interested in the horses and riding everybody participated in riding sports but my father recognized that i was really into it and so he took me for lessons and you know did his best to find me nice horses uh, even though they were just, it was a backyard kind of deal. But I started riding lessons quite young. I I do not remember the first time I rode a horse because, you know, I grew up riding in the saddle with my dad. But I do remember my first riding lesson, you know, like it was yesterday. And I was about six years old, maybe seven. And I thought of myself as a pretty good rider by then. You know, after all, I've been riding all my life. I remember I was so excited about that riding lesson and I wanted to learn how to write English because that's what everybody did you know And I wanted to do jumping because in Florida that's what you did and at least that's what I wanted to do my dad didn't have that kind of background so that hence the riding lesson so I showed up from my first riding lesson thinking I pretty well knew everything there was to know about horses and that 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 riding instructor was going to be so impressed with how much i knew and the first thing she said was okay let's go ahead and do the posting trot and i had no idea what that meant (laughs) i just remember flailing around the arena watching what everybody else was doing and, and being astounded that the very first thing I was asked to do, I didn't even know how to do. And that, that began my long and sorted career with horses. But, so I grew up riding horses, and I, I actually I continued on with lessons. I figured out right away I didn't know anything. And I was there to learn. And I and that riding instructor, by the way, fabulous old lady. And probably, you know, she's probably younger than I am now, but she became a mentor to me. And she really put a lot into develop me, developing me as a rider. So I had that great start very early. I went on to jump horses and show jumping horses. And I had a pretty hot and heavy show career as a youth rider. And I was, I did best in equitation because I didn't have great horses. So I had to, I had to ride a horse. It was good enough. And the only thing I had to prove was how well I could ride. So that, you know, in hindsight turned out to be great because it, it instilled a lot of knowledge and, and riding skill in me at a young age. And it was all based in classical horsemanship. So it doesn't get any better than that in terms of a education with horses, a background. So when I went to college, I thought that would be the end of my, the youthful sport of riding. And I would go on to do, I would go to college and do other things. Well, I did go to college and I did do other things. I had a, about a decade where I was seriously into wilderness sports, other, other sports. And I I never quit riding because jobs involving riding horses turned out to always be the path of least resistance for me. And everywhere I went, I got offered jobs riding horses. So I worked my way through college riding horses. And I ended up in New Mexico at the University of New Mexico. And there was a lot of racing in the state back then. And I you know, I worked my way through college riding racehorses and working on breeding farms. But still, I did not plan a career with horses. It wasn't until after I graduated from college and I moved to Colorado and I moved up there because of the skiing. One of my other passions I immediately got offered a job training horses. So I took it. It came with the house, very convenient. And so I started training horses right out of college while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I never figured out what I was going to do. I just kept training horses. And I eventually, not eventually, in short order, I went into business for myself because once I realized I was going to have a career with horses, I also rapidly figured out I needed to be my own boss. I needed to do it the way I wanted to do it, not the way somebody else thought it should be done. And I, yeah, so in 1986 or 87, I opened my own business, Goodnight Training Stables, still operating today under the same name. And I just started riding horses and I'd teach lessons and do whatever, you know, pack trips, birthday parties, whatever somebody paid me for, I'd do it and boarding and you know i never imagined then how what my business or career would end up being i just kind of started the same way every horse trainer does really just hanging out a shingle so that's how the long story of my background in horses and how i got started in this
1: I love it. I, I, you know, it's so funny when we do these interviews, so many people are like, oh, well, you know, I didn't ever really plan to be in the horse industry. It just so happened. And, and it's so funny how that works out and how horses have just followed you in every aspect of your life. Even when you moved to Colorado for the skiing, you know, you somehow ended up at a barn working and training horses. Now, you don't just train horses. And I would probably say a big part of your business, and correct me if I'm wrong, is is helping owners, horse owners, riders learn how to better communicate with their horses. So you're kind of doing, you know, we speak with a lot of people who focus on the open division, you know, reining or cow horse or whatever, but you're, you've focused a lot on educating horse owners so that they can be a better horse person for their horses. Can you kind of go explain how you found yourself heading in that direction of horse training specifically? Sure. Well, like most
2: horse trainers our our passion is for horses and riding horses and our talent lies in training horses and most young horse trainers start out like like me like all of us thinking I'm just going to train horses. I don't like teaching people. I don't like dealing with the people. I just like dealing with the horses. And I uttered those extremely naive words myself when I first went into business. But I very rapidly figured out and understood that horses don't pay the bills, humans pay the bills. And no matter what you do as a trainer, no matter how good a trainer you are, that horse is going back to an owner. And it is only in the teaching of the owner and the coaching of the owner and the educating of the owner that the horse will ultimately find success. So I had that really young youth competitive career. And I will have to say pretty well ruined me for showing horses. I just I've never been I was I was really hot and heavy into that as a youth rider for you know, I don't know, four or five years and I just kind of never really got the lust back for that. So competition has never been an area of the business that interests me that much. I do love training for competition and I love training horses. My true passion in this business is in the training of horses whether it's on the ground or in the saddle i love it I, and i'm i'm an equestrian i do love to ride horses i'll go on the record of saying that as well however i figured out early on there was only so many horses you could ride in a day i figured that out very early on actually because i was riding over 10 horses a day when i you know when i was in college and and then when you know i didn't that just just kills you and you're not a good trainer when you ride that many horses you do, you don't have the patience you need and so i i learned early on and i had some great business advice that you know boarding and training horses no one ever got rich on that and that the physical toll that that would take would be substantial so I started early on kind of figuring out also unbeknownst to me turns out I had a talent for teaching people. I I think I'm pretty good at training horses, but it turns out what I'm really good at is teaching people. And I like to say I'm a good explainer and people I'm also a passionate student and I love researching and I love learning more about horses and I am particularly passionate about learning more about horse behavior and shaping behavior. So I've, you know, I have a talent of being able to teach well, communicate well. And that turned out to be, you know, that was, that was my calling, even though it's not the thing that was maybe the most appealing or the most fun part of it, but it it definitely paid the bills. And then ultimately, so I started doing clinics and then I started, ultimately I got the opportunity to do a TV show and that opened up a whole new realm. And I, you know, along those lines, the internet was coming on strong and I've always, my husband and I both have always been early adopters of technology, even though we're not of the age bracket to be that way, we are. And so I got involved in the internet and social media from the beginning, and I've been able to parlay that into a great business model that works for me. We don't train horses anymore in in the traditional sense. I I haven't had horses come to my facility for training for probably, gosh, 10 10 or more years now. We have our own horses and we train hard on them and we don't do any outside business there. I travel for everything that I do or we're producing media content from my ranch
0: at home. I think what you said about about being able to teach... the the person I think that's the hardest part of horse training honestly there are so many you know incredible riders who can train a horse all day long but when it comes to explaining that to the person and being able to translate what they need to do with the horse that's something that me personally I've never been able to do that I would be a horrible horse trainer I I cannot explain how to ride a horse to a person (laughs) but you know obviously that's something that is a huge part of your career and and you do a lot of clinics that are focused on that. So can you tell us a little bit about your clinics and, and just how you bring it, bring in the the people and not so much, you know, focusing on the horses? Sure. Well, first of all, you would be a good
2: horse trainer. You just wouldn't be a good people trainer and they're different skill sets. Riding and training horses is an extremely intuitive activity. There's actually a mind meld that occurs between a a high-level rider and a horse of any level. But the more training that horse gets, the more connected that mind meld is To you reach the point where, as cliche as it sounds, you really are truly one entity. And that requires, or people that are good at that, are good at it because they're extremely intuitive and they have feel and they have that ability to sort of go someplace in their mind to allow that connectivity with the horse. So that's one thing that makes you a really good rider and a really good trainer of horses to be a good teacher of people. We're all about the verbal so taking those same that intuition and that gut feeling and that slightest movement that you did with your eyebrow that you know caused the horse to do something, to put that into words and explain it in an organized fashion that people can break it down into a tranche they can understand and apply. To guide them in a direction that, so, you know, I got to go through these 10 points here before I can get to the end point up here, which is the actual question you asked. So to have that, those skills, communication skills are entirely different. It's like those two skill sets aren't really connected. And in fact, you might argue, and and a lot of us would agree, if you've been around a lot of horse trainers, some of them can't talk their way out of a paper bag but they're really good at what they do and you learn, you still learn from them, but it's like, you got to coax the information out of them. You got to watch them and see, you know, cause the words coming out of their mouth aren't exactly matching what they're doing with the horse. And anyway, so it's, it's two different skill sets. And I, I am not, I don't Just like, I know a lot about horses and that helps And for a lifetime. I've been riding horses. I'm, you know, actually turned 63 today. So for my entire life I've been riding horses. And I've ridden literally thousands of horses. I don't know if I've cracked the 5000 mark yet cuz I haven't calculated it in a while, but I know it's substantially north of 2000. And I that base of knowledge I, you know, helps me teach obviously, but I still have to work hard Figuring out how do I put into words this what I do without thinking. So I spent a lot of time riding a horse, thinking about a simple activity like cueing the horse from walk to canter. I know how I teach it. I could teach it, you know, in my sleep. But when I actually get on a horse all by myself in my arena, and I break it down and I practice it, I find out I'm doing like, you know, 10 more things than I've ever taught anyone to do. So I start looking for those things like that, that missing little piece of information that, that people need. And, and then I, I define things. I, you know, I look stuff up, I figure out the right words. I, Where definitions do not exist, I have created them. That doesn't sound good, but I can tell you through my work with the Certified Horsemanship Association and the writing of instructional manuals and stuff like that, there's a lot of terminology in horsemanship that you can't really find a definition for, so we have to kind of try to create a consensus on what everybody think, what everybody believes this actually means. So anyway, those those are different skill sets. Now also uh, one other thing that you asked about Jillian that I want to mention is most people think of me as a natural horsemanship trainer and I'm I'm fine with that title. I do believe that uh, knowing and understanding a horse's behavior is critical to training him and interacting with him and getting the best out of him. But in general, natural horsemanship clinicians tend to focus on the horse. Do this with the horse. Do that with the horse. Make the horse back up. Make the horse do this. Make him jump over, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, I don't care how good the horse is, it's incumbent upon the rider to get better. You know, the rider is who interferes with the horse. And you can, you know, you can teach a lot of things about behavior and ground manners and interacting with horses and groundwork at some point you yourself as a rider have the obligation of the horse to get better you're getting in his way you're asking him to do unreasonable things because you're getting in his way so I'm real strong on that too I I think it's important for the rider to accept
1: responsibility and I'm I like teaching people to ride better I think that that's huge and you know, like you said, instead of just focusing on the horse, which yes, we are all focused on the horse, that's part of horse training, but you have to go back and evaluate what you're doing first to make sure that you're not getting in the way, like you said, and making sure that you're actually setting them up for success and you're not getting in their way, you're not frustrating them, you're not staying in too long and, you know, telling them that they're doing it wrong and constantly just asking for more and more and more and not having that release. And and there's a lot of it that I think comes from the the rider side of it. Well, first of all, happy birthday. I did not realize today was your birthday. So happy birthday. (laughs) What are the odds of getting you on the podcast on your birthday? But another thing that you do that I really love, and I've actually been able to participate in it, is that you have done like retreats at Sea Lazy Ranch. And I got to go to one several years ago and I got to meet you and your husband and and you know spend time with everybody that came in for this particular event and I think it's such a cool it was such a cool environment because not only was it you know you were working with a trainer and and improving your skills but you also really got that like bond of being with other people that are all they're all there for the same reason right and and you kind of even the the playing field a little bit because lots of these Riders came in and, and rode guest ranch horses, and that's kind of a totally different experience, because I would imagine, you know, I came from a world where I did a lot of catch riding. I did the the NCAA equestrian thing. Like, I was used to hopping on random horses, but I would imagine a lot of people, this is the first time they're getting on a unfamiliar horse and asking to do stuff with them, not just go trail riding. You know, so what, how did that kind of come about? And have you felt that you've had to kind of change the way that you approach it when you're working with people who are not familiar with the horses that they're working with? Well,
2: it's, it, there's a funny story in answer to that question, but it's, it is an interesting, it levels the playing field when everybody's riding, everybody's riding a dude horse. And sometimes there's one or two people that bring a horse, but out of the, you know, 45 guests, they're, um, you know, 44 of them are going to be riding a dude horse. And it is funny that a lot of the people that come, they're already experienced riders, but they're used to riding their horse at home, who's some kind of little cupcake. And so a lot of people have anxiety about riding strange horses. Understandable. And the funny part about it at Sea Lazy U is these are dude horses that total beginners ride every week of the year. And like people that have never ridden a horse go plop down on these horses and crawl all over the Rocky mountains on them. And then we get experienced riders that come, but they have anxiety because they are not used to riding a strange horse. So they start, taking a death grip on the reins, and micromanaging the horses, which those dude horses will not tolerate. They're like, just leave me alone. I know how to do the job, lady. Just leave me alone and so it's a real learning experience most people come to understand that yeah sure they'd rather have the luxury of riding their own horse but hey when they go up in the mountains they they want those dude horses but the funny thing about the question you asked is that when I I first came to see lazy U, which by the way is a fabulous place and it's you know it's, it's stunningly beautiful You know, five spur service and accommodations and gourmet food and 200 head of horses all right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. It's like for a lot of us, it's like everything we ever dreamed of. In a riding vacation, and then everyone there has the same dream, so it is a really really cool experience. And then you get to ride different horses and stuff. But I, my husband and I, first went there as a guest. We went and attended um, two years in a row. We attended ranch horse clinics there, and we brought our own horses. And he was showing then, and actually he is now too. But that was the first his first go around with it, and We loved it there. And then that clinic didn't happen. And they asked me if I would start doing clinics there. So the next year I started doing that, it was about 15 years ago. And I'll never forget on my way to the first clinic, I was driving there and I I taught clinics by then, I was already teaching clinics all over the world. So I, I taught a lot of clinics, but pretty much without exception, and that's teaching people on their own horses or an appropriate school horse that you know was leased for the occasion. And so I was driving to that clinic going, "Oh my god, what am I going to do trying to teach arena lessons on these dude horses? It's never going to work." So on the lesson, I think it was about a dozen riders. I said to them, "Okay, well, we've got all weekend long now, what What do you think you guys would like to work on? If you just can give me one one goal, I'll see if I can, you know, teach you as much as I can. And the first person says, I'd like to work on leg yielding. And I was like, oh, great. And then it was like, oh, I'd like to work on collection. I'd like to work on flying lead changes. I'd like to work on, could you tell me how to do it? You know and as we were around this group and everybody was talking about this i thought oh my god what am i gonna do how am i gonna do this well anyway the long and the short of, of it was i just said i'm gonna teach it like i would teach any other person on their horse do you know that by the end of that weekend every single one of those horses was leg yielding and most of them at the trot and I just learned they're just horses. They have a certain skill set and they have a certain experience, but they're not unlike all all the horses I normally get in clinics. So, so it, it's great. It's a it's a fabulous experience. And I, I kind of through no design of my own, be, because of of COVID, I've kind of ended up in this place where the only clinics I'm doing right now are vacation clinics. So I have four vacation clinics at sea lazy every year i'm gonna be two weeks in ireland this fall doing clinics and on a vacation ride and i kind of like it it's
0: pretty fun That certainly sounds like a great way to spend your time especially in ireland that's awesome when you were talking about how the at your first clinic the people you know had the expectations of learning how to leg yield and do a flying lead change and things like that i feel like everyone that once they left the clinic, they learned so much more than they would have if they were riding their own horse that you just taught them how to let like, yield and push the button that their horse already have. I, I think that, you know, they they got so much more out of actually the foundation of it and teaching the horse to to learn how to do the leg yield rather than just asking for it so is that something that you focus on a lot in your clinics or are the the foundations or you know when you're when you have a new group of people what are some things that you think that everyone in the clinic really needs to to know before they go any further if that makes sense
2: you know one that does what i do in terms of teaching horsemanship understands and agrees that we always go about back to foundational skills. Riding is a challenging sport. And just I mean, take the volatility of a horse out of the equation. And pretend it was a an, a robot. Riding itself is complicated, and there are a lot of skills to master, and a lot of physical, physically demanding. You know, yeah, uh, you, you have to have good balance. And then when you add into it the fact that you're sitting on top of a thousand pound keg of dynamite that has a will of his own and doesn't always behave in predictable manners, you know, it, it's a very complicated sport. And whether I learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter if they say they want to learn how to do flying lead changes or spin on the top of their head, they there's a lot of missing foundational knowledge and skill level they need to work on. Advanced riders know that better than novice and intermediate riders. So it's like the farther you get with riding, the more you realize how much more there is. And, and and then at some point you realize you're never going to arrive at the end anyway. So you just keep trying to learn more, but so it's going back to foundational knowledge, but yes, I, you know, I think there are a lot of things that I, I try to convey in clinics that I, I, I get it that people have to have success and people have to be happy and people have to learn and enjoy what they're doing. But my bottom line is I'm in it for the horse. I get it that people pay the bills. I'm very clear on that. But I, from the very beginning of my career, it was important to me to be there for the horse too. So I try to teach in a way that always brings relief to horses. Now, anybody who's been in one of my clinics knows I'm not a Mamby Pamby. I don't Tolerate bad manners from horses. I'm, I'm pretty much get to the point with horses, but I don't, I don't, I don't tolerate doing things with horses that they do not benefit from That is is not ultimately for their own well being. And so I just try to convey that kind of attitude. You know, try to really understand the horse's point of view in all things, how he thinks, how he feels. You know, I think. If we have the privilege of riding horses, we also have to accept that, you know, we've conscripted them to labor for our personal pleasure. And let's let's be honest about that and let's be responsible about it and take good care of them and provide them the you know, the care they need and, and you know, and always do the right thing by the horse. So, you know, what I teach mostly is mechanical skills, but I'm it's really important me to me to convey those kinds of principles as well.
1: You've done a lot of trail riding content for us and then also the trail rider, which merged into horse and rider several years ago. And I, I think the thing that I really appreciate about your trail riding content is that it goes back to the whole, it doesn't matter if you're showing, it doesn't matter if you don't ever plan on stepping in the show pen ever you have to have the fundamentals before you go do something like a trail ride. And, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, people will be like, Oh, they're a performance horse trainer. I'm not going to learn anything from that. And, but I think what you do a really great job is tying in all those fundamentals and making people realize, like I use these, same fundamentals for my cow horses, because I know that you show cow horses when you're not busy, you know, going around the country on your vacation tour. But, you know, you're using those same fundamentals on your cow horses as you would a horse that has to exactly. go into the mountains, you know, and and I think I, I try my hardest to get that out there because I think people like they just forget that it's all the same thing, everything.
2: Mhm. Well, I, you know, again, I was so fortunate to have a background in classical riding because it is, you know, just all about that. It's about the foundational training that gives you one hundred percent complete control of the horse from head to tail. And where do you need that more than riding in the wilderness? That's what the, the, you know. What, what cracks me up about that mentality of oh, I don't need that. I'm I'm a trail rider is, you know, the less control of the environment, the more you want control. I've been in some ha- very hairy situations in the mountains with horses. When you need that horse to be there for you, all the way and listen to you and do what you say, even when it doesn't seem like the right thing to do. It's leg yielding is a good example of that because if you think of it just as a step in the progression of training of a dressage horse or whatever, it's every discipline uses it. I mean, you know, you use it every time you go in a cutting pen with a horse and you, you know, trail ride, you know, whatever. So yeah, it's it's back to basics always.
0: Yeah, I can totally agree with that. And, you know, I hate admitting this, but I've actually never really been on a trail ride. Just (laughs) I live in Florida and, you know, it's just not ever been something that I've come across. But I will say part of the reason that I really didn't have a lot of interest in it growing up was because I didn't. Like the idea of, of not really having control, I guess that makes sense. But, uh, you know, being on a horse that I don't know and things like that. But now hearing you say that, it, it really makes me realize that that is one of the most important things, even on a trail ride, is being able to control the horse and the situation that you're in. So I definitely need to, to get on a trail ride soon. You know, I grew up in
2: Florida and we did, a, I trail rode, but we were never in Florida. Uh, well, I, we rode, we rode out you know, we rode out down the roads and stuff and did a little bit, but it wasn't appealing to me at all. I liked riding in the arena because I liked learning and I liked jumping. And, you know, I just, I wanted, I loved that. And I still do. I live literally within a half a mile of that national forest in some of the most incredible riding country. And we ride up there a lot, but I love riding in the arena because I really like that, I like working on stuff. I like the connectivity that is occurring. And I I guess I've just done it all my life. So it's funny, living where we do, and people know me as sort of a trail riding, but I love riding in the arena. And when your arena is surrounded by 14,000 foot mountain peaks, it doesn't get any better than that. So I've got the best best of both worlds, and I can trail ride right out the door. So
1: I'm kind of spoiled that way. You said like you you like to work in the arena and work on all that kind of stuff, but you're also competing in all of your free time. You and your husband were showing cow horses and I believe cutting horses. Yeah, a little bit. You
2: know, he's he's more into the competing than I am I just kind of like tagging along and and uh, I always tell them I'll be your coach and your groom (laughs) and I'll cook dinner the and I I love riding and training cow horses in particular and I I would jump on every opportunity to go with him to a clinic and get to you know be able to train with my horse I just don't have the competition as an end game as a as a as a goal i just but i love the discipline and i love i i love everything about cow horse i have since i was young since i first came to western it's always what what appealed to me and it's kind of one of those things that you just there's just so much to master that that is endless
1: and so yeah so i like doing it all i have to agree with you on the cow horse stuff i i keep telling jillian that i'm going to get her on a cow horse because I came from the all-around world. I showed all-arounders for probably 15 years. And this job got me introduced to the cow horse stuff. And I rode a cow horse. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm telling Jillian, I'm like, I'm going to get you on a cow horse. We're going we're gonna to move you to the dark side, man. <laughs> it's Drill, trail riding and cow horse. It's on my to-do list. I'm, I'm working
2: on it. <laughs> well, you can come to see Lazy you and do both of those things. I mean, you won't exactly be riding a world-class cow horse, but we do some cow work, so it's a yeah. nice little introduction to it.
0: Oh, that sounds well, perfect. I can just come both out. It's,
1: it's a fun time. I, I got to go for the magazine one year, and it was it was a blast. Well, Julie, we have gone almost an hour. I know he said that we were going to make this a 30- to 40-minute interview, but thank you so much for coming on here and talking with us, and obviously people are going to see more from you in our magazine, on our digital platform, com. and but you also have a couple of ways that people can follow you on social media and you have some really great online courses. Do you want to plug them and tell people where they can find more? Absolutely. Of course, we, you know, are
2: pretty heavy in... The social media world, and you can just find me at Julie Goodnight. And we try to keep a lot of educational content coming through social media and through my website, which is juliegoodnight.com. And you know, I I'm busy every month writing blog, producing a podcast like this on riding and training horses, and you can listen to on any platform. And yeah, juliegoodnight.com has all the information. We have some online membership programs, coaching programs, personal coaching programs and curriculums. So we've got a lot online. Plus on YouTube, I have my daily doses of horsemanship, which I started during the shutdown when we got all jerked off the road suddenly and I posted 60 days in a row during the shutdown of horsemanship lessons so those are all still available free on YouTube so you can check that out at Julie Goodnight.
1: Awesome well thank you again for coming on here and talking with us and and I'm sure that we will be talking to you again very soon. Well thanks for having me and it's been fun. Thank you guys for tuning into the ride podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, follow horse and rider magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com.
0: If you guys have any questions or comments, please be sure to hit us up at horse and rider network.com. We want to hear from you guys.
1: And if you like what you're listening to, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.